We've gotten a lot of great questions from you so far, uh, but if you've got something you really want to ask it, uh, you've got a couple days to submit it um, before we uh, come to uh, the deadline for that. So, we've been going through the series, and for me, I know this series has really been uh, a blessing for me to um, be able to reflect on what does it look like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And... Uh, I want to take us all the way back to the first, uh, the first message that Pastor Paul gave. Uh, we've been having each week like a takeaway statement, uh, something that says this is what a fully devoted follower of Jesus looks like. Uh, and the first one that Pastor Paul shared with us, I think, is incredibly important, and we need to continuously remind ourselves of it. And this one, uh, really every single one that we've looked at, including the one we're going to look at today, uh, it, it goes back back to this one. It always has to go back to this one. Uh, And the first one to remind you is that a fully devoted follower of Jesus looks like Jesus. Fully devoted follower of Jesus. If we are to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, to be a a disciple of him, uh, to be an apprentice, to be a student of Jesus who's fully devoted, uh, then the more and more uh, we learn from Jesus the more and more we strive to follow him, the more and more we will start to look like our Lord, our Master, our Savior, our God, our King. This is really important, and it absolutely has to do uh, with our takeaway statement uh, for today. Uh, and our takeaway statement for today is this, that a fully devoted follower of Jesus helps others in becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. So we've been saying this phrase a lot, becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. This is our mission statement as a church. Uh, Pastor Paul just said it this morning. I've probably said it 12 times since being up here already. Uh, This is our mission statement. This is what we as a church have decided. This this is our goal. This is what we want to be working towards. This is what we want to be known for. And as somebody here sitting today and having heard this maybe multiple times, I think that the question that needs to be asked, um, and if you haven't asked this question to yourself already, is, are you with us on this? Are you with us? I hope that this phrase, this mission statement that we've been saying over and over again, isn't just going in one ear and out the other, but that you're like, yeah, I want that. I want that to be my goal. I want that to be my aim. So are you with us? Is this also your mission statement? Not just a a statement that is said on a church website, but is this something that you want to strive for? And I'm really hoping that your answer is yes. And if it is, I want to tell you something. Well, if it is, you should be reading this book, right? And if you're reading this book, let me tell you something else. You cannot walk away from reading this book and studying this book, especially the New Testament, and walk away with this idea of, okay, becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus, this is something I can do on my own. You can't. That if, if you do, then you are absolutely, one, either not reading this or you are not understanding this. You cannot do it on your own. We are meant to do it in community with each other, with other 
people who are striving to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Honestly, we could just look as far as Jesus and see how Jesus lived. He didn't just call one disciple and say, okay, hey, you, you're, you're the guy. Like, you're going to do it all alone. But he called uh, 12, uh, 12 men to be his closest disciples. And then there were a ton of others who committed themselves to following Jesus, to wanting to be uh, Jesus' disciples. And Jesus, even Jesus himself, preaching the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God, uh, even Jesus himself, he took those 12 and he took the disciples and he said, now you go out. You go out and you share this message. You look at the Apostle Paul, uh, who is absolutely uh, one of the men who's responsible for starting some of the earliest churches, but the Apostle Paul never went alone. He always had other early Christian missionaries going and helping him, starting these communities with him. We're not meant to do it alone. So a fully devoted follower of Jesus helps others in becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. I want to talk to you about something this morning, uh, super, super exciting stuff. Uh, I want to talk to you about research. Uh, If you've heard of the Barna Research Group, the Barna Research Group has done this study over the years. Uh, This study is uh, called the State of Discipleship. And uh, they've been looking at the American church, American Christians, and their, their research is based on just that. What is the state of discipleship in the American church among American Christians? Is it really good? or Is the American church doing a really good job on discipleship? Uh, is it really bad? Is it somewhere in the middle? There's a lot that they've researched, but I just want to share with you a couple things this morning that uh, came out of this research that they did. Uh, So the first thing, uh, the state of discipleship says this. It says just over one in four U.S. Christians, that's 28%, are actively involved in a discipleship community. Just over one in four U.S. Christians, 28%, are actively uh, involved in a discipleship community. Well, that doesn't sound great. Uh, I think in order to understand that more, we do need to uh, define what, what is a discipleship community look like. And uh, the researchers identified Christians who were both, one, being discipled, and two, discipling others as those who are fully engaged in a discipleship community. And so what their research research found uh, was that only a little over one in four, 28% of Christians in America, are actively engaged in, one, being discipled, and two, discipling others. And for their research, uh, they they weren't counting uh, just coming to church and hearing a message on Sunday as being discipled either. That's important. (laughs) I wouldn't be up here. Uh, Pastor Paul wouldn't be up here. Pastor Jonathan would be up here if we didn't believe that was important. But uh, this research group, and uh, I for sure will say, that's not enough. If that's the only bit of discipling that you're getting, that's not enough. So just one, uh, a little over one in four, right? Uh, It continued. Uh, So 28% are actively involved in a discipleship community. Continued. Another 28% are being discipled, but they are not helping others grow closer to Christ. And a very small percentage 
5% is only discipling others. So they're like half in, but half out of what it looks like to be in a healthy discipleship community. And then if you're really good at math and you're doing the numbers, maybe you know what is left. So uh, the last part of this that I want to share, numbers part that I want to share with you, is this. It says, by these definitions, this means that a plurality of Christians, 39%, is not engaged in discipleship in any direction. So their research found uh, that 39% of Christians are not being discipled or discipling others at all. No discipleship uh, going on. If you like charts, here's a chart kind of showing, um, showing the breakdown of this, that blue uh, piece of the pie. Um, by the way, I'm from New York, so pie both means delicious cherry-filled pie and uh, pizza pie. Uh, but that blue piece of the pie uh, is those involved in dis- being discipled and discipling others. And then the rest of it is you're either somewhere in or, uh, or out. That red is not engaged in being discipled or discipling others. And I don't love looking at that chart. If uh, you are one of the people that uh, grabs one of our bulletins, you might have seen the title of the sermon today is called The Problem with Discipleship. And maybe you were wondering, what, what is Mitch going to say the problem with discipleship is? I thought that discipleship was a really good thing. You're right. The problem with discipleship is that we are clearly not doing it enough if this is what research is showing. We're not doing it enough. Or some of us maybe aren't doing it uh, at all. That's what this research points to. And so I have two very important questions for you to think about today. The first one is this. Who is investing in you? Who's investing in you? Who is coming alongside of you and helping you in pursuing becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Who's helping you to be a disciple of Jesus? Uh, Now, I think when I think of the word discipleship and who's investing uh, in in me, at least for me, uh, a word that comes to mind for me is mentor. I don't know if you're you're with me on that, if that's the same for you. Um, Mentorship is awesome. I don't know how many of you have a mentor or are a mentor to somebody helping to disciple them. Uh, If you don't have a mentor, mentorship is totally a way that you can have somebody invest in you. But if you don't have a mentor and you're looking for a mentor, I want to uh, suggest a couple things. Uh, a mentor is typically going to be uh, either somebody older than you or uh, somebody who has been a Christian for a longer time than you. Um, a mentor perhaps is a smart person, uh, but it doesn't always have to look, and maybe it shouldn't always look like the smartest person in the room. I think we need to remind ourselves that this book also reminds us of a knowledge that is a knowledge that puffs up. What is it that we should look for in a mentor? A mentor should not be someone that we look at and we go, well, they got to be perfect. they got to be perfect. If you're looking for a mentor that's going to be perfect, you're going to find, have a really hard time finding a mentor because none of us are perfect. But this is my suggestion for one of, the, if not the best thing to look for in a mentor. I'm just going to say the best thing to look for in a mentor. They're not perfect, but they're always pointing you ahead to the one that is perfect. 
Jesus. Because in a mentor, you need to find a follower. Someone truly who is following Jesus and doing it with all of their heart. That is the most important thing to look for in a mentor. And if you're mentoring somebody, make that your goal, to be one who follows Jesus and does that well. There's another type of discipleship, and that's the type of discipleship where, uh, like Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron just as one man sharpens another. Fellow disciples of Jesus coming around each other, uh, encouraging each other, challenging each other, asking each other, talking each other, to each other about uh, life and their faith. When I, when I think about that for myself, I definitely think of my friend Aaron and my friend Mark Mullinex. We are, uh, I love getting together with those guys and uh, talking and encouraging each other and challenging each other. Who is investing in you? If you're having a hard time answering this question, I want to suggest that something needs to change. Because we are called to disciple each other, to be discipled. You need to be discipled. You need people to invest in you, to come alongside of you, to help you grow closer to Jesus. Second question, and this is the one that we're really going to focus in on for the rest of our time, is this. You may have already guessed it. Who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Uh, I think the question should be asked here, who am I investing in? Okay, Mitch, are you talking about evangelism or are you talking about discipleship? You're talking about evangelism uh, where we go and we share the good news of who Jesus is, what he's done for us with others. Or are you talking about discipleship where we come alongside other Christians and we build each other up? And I'm going to say that my answer is yes. My answer is yes, because I think uh, that over the years, what we've done with evangelism and, and discipleship and breaking them into these two separate things and saying, uh, yeah, I'm going to focus on this one, but I'm not going to focus on this one. Uh, I hear this from pastors all the time. Like, I, I love discipleship. I'm not an evangelism guy. I am an evangelism guy. I'm not a discipleship guy. I think that is not biblical. I think you cannot have the two separated. I believe uh, fully from reading this book that if you are truly, biblically, with your heart, evangelizing to others, that that is going to lead to biblical, healthy discipleship. And if you are engaging in healthy, biblical discipleship, that is going to lead to healthy, biblical evangelism. It's all part of making disciples. Turn with me in your Bibles uh, to a famous passage, Matthew chapter 8, or Matthew chapter 28. Uh, this is in the New Testament, uh, just a little over halfway uh, in your Bibles. It's the very end of the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, right before Mark chapter 28. I'm going to read this very, very famous uh, passage, starting in Matthew 28, Verse 16. The eleven disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. This is after Jesus has come back from the dead. They, they're, what? This is man. Something different. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came near to them and said to them, 
All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of this age. This is the very last thing that's written in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, The author Matthew decided this was so important that he was going to end his gospel account with it. Jesus telling his disciples, go out into the nations and make disciples. To Jesus, making disciples is, dare I say it, extremely important. Extremely important. Uh, Turn with me a couple books uh, over um, further to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Past Romans, past... You guessed it, 1 Corinthians to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here we read uh, the Apostle Paul absolutely uh, following Jesus' example as he writes this letter uh, in verse 16. We read this already this morning. Uh, Steve read it to us this morning. Let's read it again. Hear what the Apostle Paul says, verse 16. From now on then... We do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul here echoes Jesus that making disciples is extremely, extremely important. We could look at a whole bunch of passages that back this biblical concept up. But Paul's saying, listen, the thing that Jesus has done is so important. We need to tell others about it. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal Through us, we implore you, be reconciled to God. I often share with you guys quotes, right? Uh, You guys know that about me. I've got a quote for you this morning. I've got a couple quotes for you this morning. But the first quote is a quote that I used to like, and I no longer like it. And I want to share it with you. Um, I've heard this quote. Over uh, the years of being a Christian, being a pastor, talking with other Christians, I've heard this quote used a lot. And I started out really liking it, and then I really started not liking it. Uh, this quote, whether you've heard this quote before, um, or you've at least like, kind of heard something, the concept, right? It's this. The quote is, preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Uh, Francis of Assisi said that. And let me tell you something, Um, I I think that the heart 
behind Francis of Assisi when he said this, I think that it was probably in the right place. Francis of Assisi was well known uh, for his, his extreme love uh, for others, especially the poor, caring uh, for others. And I really believe when he said this, what he was trying to say, he was probably seeing a lot of um, people who identified as cr- Christians, and it was lip service, like uh, telling people that God loved them, uh, but instead of loving them, perhaps they were doing nothing or maybe doing the opposite. And so for him, I think he was saying, listen, we have to preach the gospel, not only in our words, but also in the way that we treat people, the way that we act towards people, and how we love people. This in itself is a way of preaching the gospel. And the heart behind that, if, if I, I never met Francis Pasisi, but if that's what he was trying to get at, I love that. I don't love this quote anymore. Because what I've heard this quote used for is an excuse. I've heard a lot of people, whether it's this quote or this idea of like, yeah, like I'm, I'm just going to love people. I'm going to help people. Uh, but, you know, I wasn't really made. I'm, it's not my, I'm not going to share the gospel with people. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. Like, it's like I will love them and somebody else will do that. Like somebody else will do that. I'm going to fix this quote for you, okay? Let me fix the quote real quick. Preach the gospel at all times and use words. Is that better? Listen, this is biblical. We just read this. We need to share with others about Jesus, who he is, what he has done. And we need to use our words. We need to. I know it can be hard, but we are called to be ambassadors for Christ to share this with others who don't know this or haven't accepted this yet. This is what we are called to do. I've asked a couple of people to help pass out some cards this morning. They're going to start passing out some cards. You guys can start that process. So we need to share with others about the love of Jesus. We need to make disciples, whether that's evangelism, discipleship, it's all connected. You're going to get these cards. Uh, If you're old enough to be in here, you're old enough to get a card. So we've got plenty of them. You're going to get one of these cards, and you're going to notice that these cards have two sides to them. The first says our statement for today, a fully devoted follower of Jesus helps others in becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. This is a reminder Because we don't want what we talk about here to stay here. We want this to be something that you, that we take out into the world with us. A fully devoted follower of Jesus helps others in becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. Take this home with you. Put it somewhere to remind you of this, where you're going to see this on a daily basis. Don't let this just sit in your pocket um, and go through the wash and forget about it. Take it home. Look at it. Remind yourself of it. And then you're going to see that on the back side, there's a part uh, to fill out. On the back side, it says someone in and someone out. And I'm going to ask you to borrow a pen from somebody, use a pen that you have this morning, a a pencil, um, and I'm going to ask you to fill this out with two names. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment 
and write down two names on here this morning, and I'll tell you what someone in and someone out means and what this commitment is that I'm asking you to take part in. By the way, I didn't fill out my card yet, but I am going to fill it out. I'm with you guys on this. So, um, Someone in. Someone that you are going to strive to invest in, to help come alongside and help them to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Maybe this is someone your own age. Maybe this is somebody younger. Maybe you're thinking about uh, how you could become a mentor to somebody. I don't know who it is, but, uh, and hey, listen, you could write a whole bunch of names on here. Uh, I'm going to ask you to refrain from doing that. That's awesome if you have the heart for that and totally pursue that, but I'm just asking you to write two names on here uh, just as a reminder for these two people, someone in somebody who has already decided to be a follower of Jesus and is pursuing that themselves, and you can come alongside of them, invest in them, help to disciple them. And then someone out, someone who has not yet accepted Jesus as their Savior, as their Lord, but someone who, when you look at this card, you're going to be challenged to pray for that person. You're going to be challenged to pray for yourself for boldness that you can go and you can share the gospel with them. Yes, with your actions, but also with your words. And that you are in writing down their name and you're looking at this, you're committing to yourself, okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to share with them about who Jesus is and what he has done, the good news. I'm going to encourage you to, to take up this commitment. If you haven't written down your, uh, a name yet, two names yet, I want to share with you a little bit more from this uh, research that the Barna Research Group did. Uh, they looked at the top reasons why U.S. Christians uh, have a barrier in making disciples. These are the top uh, reasons given uh, to why uh, U.S. Christians uh, have this barrier to making disciples. Here we go. We can advance to the next slide. Text kind of freaking out on me. Um, so, number one, I don't think I'm qualified or equipped. That's the number one reason. And I'm not going to talk about it right this second. We're going to come back to it. Uh, number two, no one has suggested it or asked. Number three, I just haven't thought about it. Okay, so if, if these, uh, second and third one, if these are a barrier to you in making disciples, then you can just scratch those off right now uh, because I'm suggesting it and I'm asking it and you have thought about it now. But more importantly, uh, Jesus, I, I don't even want to say that Jesus has suggested it. I want to say Jesus has commanded it. This is imperative to being a disciple is making disciples. Paul has commanded it. This is what we are meant to do. So if no one has suggested or asked, or you just haven't thought about it, that's no longer an excuse for at least us here today. Uh, had a bad experience. Sure. That's going to happen. And if you make this commitment to doing this more, it's going to probably happen more. Whether that's somebody completely rejecting you, uh, somebody completely just, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. You talk too much about Jesus. Thank you. What a nice compliment. Um, you may have a, had a bad experience. You may have bad experiences. This is not an excuse for us to continue striving in making disciples. 
It's not an excuse. And then I can't speak to other because, well, I don't know what other means, but let me go back up to the first one. I don't think I'm qualified, and I don't think I'm equipped. Real short answer to that one. How do you become qualified and equipped? Discipleship. You need people investing in you. And so if investing in others is important, I know I don't have a thing on the card for that, but don't forget that. You need to be engaged in that. How do you become qualified and equipped? Well, you yourself need to be discipled. That's my simple answer for that. Uh, Let me uh, share with you uh, some quotes that um, are to encourage you, though. If this is your your reason, we can advance to the next. Uh, Francis Chan, a pastor and author, said this. He said, Most Christians today are not known for making disciples. We have developed a culture where a minister ministers and the rest of us sit back and enjoy church from a comfortable distance. This is not what God intends for his church. Every Christian is called by God to minister. You are called to make disciples. Hear that. You are called to make disciples. We are all called to make disciples. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, let me tell you, you're off the hook. You don't need to write down two names. Don't worry about it. We're just glad that you're here. But if you are here and you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, you're not off the hook, and it's not this card in which makes you on the hook. It's the Word of God. It's what Jesus did on the cross. You are called to make disciples. We are all called to make disciples. Now, I feel like right now what I'm doing is I'm kind of giving you a little kick in the pants. Come on, we got to do this. I want to recognize something else. Some of us may hear that first one. I am not qualified. I'm not equipped. And this is instead of coming from like a brush it aside, like I just haven't been like paying attention to it, like ah, I'm not doing that. Some of us may be in a place where we're hearing that and we're, we are totally connecting with that. I'm not qualified. I'm not equipped. And we're connecting in a way that is more like a, wait, me? Who, me? Like, I, I'm supposed to make disciples? No, I, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough for that. I want to share with you this next quote from uh, author Bob Goff. We can put it up on the screen if we have it. Jesus chose fishermen who rarely got their nets on the right side of the boat. By all accounts, even after they had been with Jesus for three years, they still didn't fully understand who he was. They were imperfect, flawed, and had failed sometimes big. If this is you, that you are uh, sitting here today and you're going, who, me? You're telling me I'm supposed to make disciples? No, I'm not telling you that. The Word of God's telling you that. But, yes. Yes. And recognize that Jesus could have come, and he could have easily... There were, there were young men who were online to becoming scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. They were the guys that Jesus, by all accounts, should have picked. And yet he called fishermen and tax collectors to follow him as his closest disciples. Uh, and as we look further, we see that he calls Paul, this guy who's murdering Christians to start the early church. And if you look and read this book, as you should, you're going to see this whole entire book is full of, as Bob Goff puts it, 
imperfect, flawed failures that God uses to do amazing things. We are all called to be disciple makers. Yes, you are imperfect, flawed. You aren't qualified. And yet, you are called to be a maker of other disciples. And so, once again, if we put it back up on the screen, a fully devoted follower of Jesus helps others in becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus. Someone in, someone out. Who's it going to be for you? Who's it going to be for you? Can you imagine if every single person in this room wrote down two names? Can you imagine if every single person in this room wrote down a name of somebody, they're going, I'm going to come alongside of that person, and I'm going to help them become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. Can you imagine how amazing that would be for our community? Can you imagine how amazing it would be if everybody put down somebody out? And we saw somebody out becoming somebody's in. And if every single one of you writes that down, and we commit to this, God's going to be faithful to that. So take that commitment with me. Let's pray. Dear God, uh, we come to you now, recognizing that we are imperfect, we are flawed, we are failures, and yet you call us to be your co-workers, and that's amazing. Help us to not hear those words and let it go in one ear and out the other, but that we embrace that and say, yeah, I want to be that, God. I want to be with you in your work. I want to be sharing with my other fellow disciples. I want to be helping to encourage and challenge them. Iron sharpening iron. I want to help others. I want others to help me in becoming more and more, looking more and more like your son, Jesus. And God, fill us with boldness to share uh, using our actions and, yes, our words with others about your Son. Many of us, if not all of us, uh, as we should, feel unqualified, and we pray that you help us with that. Because it's your work, and we're just coming alongside of you and helping. But help us, give us braveness, give us boldness to do so. Pray for every single name that is either written down right now or is going to be written down, both the ins and the outs. You know every single name that is on the hearts and minds and on pieces of paper this morning. Pray for all those people. We pray for those who don't know you to come to you. We love you. I'm going to talk to you soon. Amen.